Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi everyone, this is Rohit from Life Self Mastery and I'm excited to have JP Lewin, who's the CEO of Foundy, uh, which is the UK's leading platform to buy and sell a business, offering end-to-end acquisition support for business owners and access to a regular profitable deal flow for buyers. Welcome to the show, JP. Thank you for having me, Right, I really appreciate the opportunity. Awesome. So, uh, you know, you have an interesting journey. You've you sort of started before, but how did you get into this crazy world of startups? Great. Um, well, thank you for, for having me on. I appreciate you. You build a, a vast network. Um, so I'm really pleased that you got in touch. And uh, yeah, hopefully I can provide some value to your, your community of listeners. Um, sure. I, I got into to startups um, through various ways, really, but uh, always had a knack for problem solving and uh, kind of adopted quite a unique perspective on um, um, automating and um, streamlining antiquated problems for, for all sorts of uh, market opportunities. And first business was, um, I had a problem with getting to work. Uh, it took an hour on the bus. So I thought this is incredibly inefficient. Um, and it was like an hour just to go three miles. So um, it started with an electric scooter and, and bike company and um, scaled that, sold that company. And, and then it started again with, with Foundy's end-to-end M&A platform, modernizing the acquisition process. But yeah, ultimately, I, I think I'm always looking at uh, problems as opportunities in, in the big bad world and um, and can do so through through technology. Interesting. So, so you, you, you built and, and sold Zwing. So, you know, what was the experience? You know, did you really want to sell your baby or was it, was it you know, you know planned through that you wanted to start something and then sell it off after a few years? Um, I think... Uh, in nowadays, most entrepreneurs, especially those in the, the SaaS space, will, will likely say that they don't have a plan to, to pass their software business down to their grandkids. Uh, right. Often, that was always the case with uh, more traditional brick and mortar businesses. But nowadays, um, it's built to sell. And um, yeah, I am willing to, to admit that. I think my investors would probably hope that as well, that, uh, that there's an eventual exit event with a reasonable time horizon as well. So yeah, the, the plan was always to build a business, deliver value and in turn generate um, some, some nice revenues. And hopefully with that, um, attract uh, buyer interest. And, and we did, I think we had seven different um, uh, buyers put in uh, initial offers. We proceeded with a few and then um, sold, sold the business eventually. And then that going through that archaic process with, Truthfully, was was not fun, and nor can I glamorize it by any means. It was stressful, expensive, opaque, and um, yeah, running the business in parallel was 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 difficult. So yeah, but it created the the, the foundations of of, of Foundy. So um, yeah, got it, got, got it. And uh, it's interesting you said that you you wanted to build to to sell, and um, and I, I and I read it on Twitter somewhere like startups are are. are are not bought, they are sold. So, so does the founder need to make an effort to uh, really, you know, syndicate the the, uh, the startup to a lot of M and A buyers? What what was your strategy when you had you know seven different buyers? Did you actively pursue them, or did they did they come on their own? Yeah, cool. So, 
the, the M&A process initially started by a buyer, well, it was a competitor actually, that reached out and expressed interest in buying our company. And that day was really exciting because to think that we had built a business that had produced enough value to warrant uh, the effort and resources from another company to come in and, and buy us, that, that was in itself um, really fulfilling. Um, and of course, you you read about the in the news about big exits and oh, it was you know as as at least uh, initially it was a it was like a dream happening under under my nose. But the um, yeah, the, what followed after was 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 uh, incredibly inefficient. But the um, uh, yeah, we had uh, one buy at the start and then uh, get in touch and then we thought well, where where do we start and then had to. To kind of look for advisory support. Then we had another competitor reach out and eventually um, um, quite, quite a few. And then we reached out to a few others, indirect, direct competitors. Um, but but truthfully, even from that experience alone, you, you do need to have as much engagement with buyers as possible, prospective buyers, that is, in order to ensure that there's competitive tension to uh, secure the best valuation possible for your company. Um, I think, and I've, I've spoken with hundreds of founders now over the last few years learned a lot from from them and i shared my experiences too um in order to uh, one of the best ways to secure best price and potentially higher than the market average for a, a bit dar and revenue multiples is to ensure that there uh, are lots of different buyers putting in offers competing with one another almost like an auction process um uh, which um, is something that we've built into our model at Boundy. So um, we can automate and streamline the process of matchmaking. So we have a dedicated buy, uh, dedicated buy route reach campaign, for example, where we look at indirect competitors, direct competitors, horizontal, vertical suppliers, uh, companies that have made acquisitions in the space before. Uh, it could be private equity firms. A lot of these companies are actually really hard to find. So we use lots of different market mapping tools. One of them is actually an AI an able tool that is, gives us deep insight into a, a sell-side client's market. And then we conduct a, an email outreach campaign. And truthfully, it can be into the hundreds of, of buyers. And we direct them specifically to that one seller listing. Um, now, I, I think that's important because you want to be able to generate as much interest in uh, the seller as possible. And it's proven quite effective as, as well. So... Um, Long, long, long answer there, but uh, yes, you do need to contact or uh, engage with um, as many possible relevant buyers for your business as possible. And and most uh, equally as importantly, you've got to do so at the same time because what you'll find is if you don't run the process in a parallel, uniform way, um, then you may find oh well, you'll deal with one buyer, you put all your egg, eggs in that basket, and consequently. They detect that you uh, you only have that one interested buyer, and consequently it, it suffers in your valuation. What you want to do is keep your eggs in, across multiple baskets and negotiate. Have lots of different offers on the table, a bit like an investment round. Have five, six, ten term sheets possibly, and then you can proceed with the one um, where possible um, at the last uh, kind of minute. You don't you don't want to go on like that because it just wastes time. Interesting. And, uh, uh, you know, a lot of interesting uh, nuggets that you share, but, but I, I was wondering, you know, how, how do you source deals and how did you get to decide what comes first? Uh, did you start working on the buyers or did you start working on uh, you know, get, getting deals on, on, the, on, the, on your platform? 
Yeah, I mean, we're a two-sided marketplace, so it requires efforts on both sides. Um, but what we have found is supply of sellers, particularly high-quality, profitable businesses ideally, um, attract buyers naturally. So as you begin to add more and more seller listings, particularly ones that cover a particular niche size and segment, um, you're going to attract a lot more, uh, a higher quantity and quality of, of buyers. Um, so yes, focusing on the, the sell side, bring them to the platform, have a good product. Absolutely. That's most important as the kind of foundation um, to get them to create an account in the first place. And then actually having the, the, the supply of good businesses. And fortunately, 70% of the businesses that we list are profitable. Mm. Um, some of them have some really impressive margins, which is good. Um, and uh, we're integrating more and more of them with our uh, plug-in accounting and performance metric tools. So you can buyers can get, gain access to their um, kind of highlights of their uh, financial performance, revenue, profit, customer churn, growth, et cetera. Um, and these are kind of live metrics from Stripe, Google Analytics, Zero, QuickBooks, and, and things. So it just uh, yeah helps to attract buyers in that regard. Um, but it, yeah, it's two-sided. But, but the benefit is that once we get the sellers, the platform, we've got various advisory services, which are pretty popular. And then we undertake those dedicated outreach campaigns to find hyper-specific buyers for each and individual sell side client rather than just doing a scattergun approach uh trying to find buyers across the tech sector it's mm. getting the, su the supply of sellers listing them getting them ready for an exit data room presentation documents and things and then we reach out to a list of a tailored list of buyers outside of founders user base although we do have a lot of in inbound signups from from buyers i think we have five and a half thousand buyers now but on the outside, we've got access to hundreds of thousands of buyers, but specific ones for that particular seller. So that's worked really well. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we're now at the crux of escape velocity of growth uh, based on revenue and, and users and other key metrics in the last few months. Interesting. And uh, and you, you talked about sellers. So uh, how much time do you spend on due diligence? And you know how much time does it take for a company to exit uh, on an average on Foundry Marketplace? Yeah, cool. So uh, there's two questions there. So the due diligence process, we <laughs> the, our, our catchphrases undertake due diligence in um, minutes rather than months. Um, and, and we can do that through those integrated metric feeds. The sign-up process takes 15 minutes for sellers to upload all their key information and they can go live once approved, of course, and then listen in front of buyers. So um, we're trying to streamline that process even further. That There's even clever ways that we're looking into about streamlining the process of software due diligence, which is really interesting and definitely relevant for this modern age. Um, what, what I found in our market research um, not surprising, but there's a lot of traditional M&A consultants that use, like when they're reviewing a, a startup's technology on behalf of a buy-side client, they'll go into the startup seller's office and meet with their tech team and just sit down with them and have like a, a, a questionnaire. And then they come back to the buy-side client who's probably paid about 20 grand to do due diligence on them. And they just kind of give the responses of, of, of these kind of questions on a paper form i expect it's mm -hmm. it's insane like to, to to grade the quality of code growth opportunity product people processes there's got to be better due diligence processes 
And that, that's something that we're exploring at the moment is helping buyers and probably investors actually to automate, streamline that process by plugging in a tool into the startup seller to grade and rate the um, quality of software. And, 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 and it's, com- it's complex, but I'd love to one day be able to attribute a strategic value to the code base and the product, et cetera, because otherwise it's kind of very subjective with buyers of what they believe that the product to be worth. Um, so there's that. And then we, we, we already have the financial and, and customer performance metric integrations. Again, that just takes 15 minutes, the whole thing. Um, second, second question was on um, the, the timeline to exit. Now, in the last two, two weeks, we've had confirmation of, of two deals go through uh, which in total, one took 25 days, another one took five weeks. So pretty quick, sub five weeks for those two. And then there's another one, which is a, probably going to go through. It's a 600K deal. And that's probably going to be four or five weeks, might trickle over. Um, from the first message when the seller, uh, that they receive on the platform from buyer through to due diligence, legal documents, deal completion and exit payout, four or five weeks, which is, Really exciting, uh, particularly with um, now, because we've got other product features which we haven't deployed yet, which will streamline the process even further. For perspective, the average exit process easily takes nine months, 12 months outside of like Foundy's platform because it's very archaic. You've got the onboarding process, which probably takes a month or two with an advisor. You've got Excel documents to go back and forth via email on with these advisors and buyers. Data rooms all over the... Oh, goodness me. And then you lastly, you've got the legal document process. And I, I tell you, this this actually happened. I, I had to print out 300 pages oh. um, for our share purchase agreement and various other documents. This was in August. And um, I had to have a, a friend with, with me to wet sign that he had to be my witness. I had to wet sign every page. I, I, I thought it may have been a joke. Like the buyer had some sort of thing going on. And it was like, oh, let's get them to, I don't know why. I think it was a bit excessive. Uh, you know, SBAs are often a lot shorter as well. So we found uh, with Foundly, but um, look, yeah, just unbelievable. We had to scan all that back in and things. So um, yeah, that took a very long time. That's why, you know, pretty passionate about modernizing, streamlining the process. I mean, if founders are selling a business, they're often running the company in parallel and yeah. therefore they need to have a portal where they log in and can view, uh, you know, immediately gain insight into the, current timeline of their exit deal. They don't want to have to email a broker, a tax advisor, a lawyer who's going to charge you three, 400 pounds an hour just to open the email. <laughs> um, the list goes on. Today, I have an interesting stat for you to denote that the founder of Beautiful Lives increased the social media presence by 10x. They managed to publish consistently and effortlessly using a robust social media management tool called Social Pilot. Social Pilot is a cost-effective social media tool that helps businesses scale their social media marketing efforts. Use lifestylemastery.com slash socialpilot to get a 14-day free trial. Interesting. And uh, I was just wondering, are there more more bootstrap founders or even venture-backed companies who are looking to get an exit? Uh, or do you, do you focus on just bootstrap founders for now? Yeah, great question. So um, there's a lot of uh, combination. For, for now, um, I'd say the large majority of buyers, sellers that we work with are, are bootstrapped. Or they may have angel investors, family, friends on. Um, however, um, we do believe, uh, because often their, their expectation of valuations are, are much more reasonable to, to, to a 
a founder of, of a company that they've started a couple of years ago, you know, a couple of employees, maybe founder owns 90% of the company usually for them to receive two or 3 million pounds. I mean, it's pretty life-changing stuff, right? Um, uh, plus they've you know got a salary out of that and things. So it's, it's pretty, however, it's really interesting kind of the contrast when you work with VC back companies and we, we've spoken with a lot of VCs, and they've introduced the portfolio companies, which has been which has been helpful. Um, and you speak to the founders, and they kind of have this. A lot of them, some some are not like this, but they have this warped perception of their expectation of an exit valuation because of these kind of round after round, and it's kind of maybe revenue tapered off a little bit or something. And then they expect, oh, well, we want to sell for twenty million. And then I said, well, you know, where what what is the revenue at the moment? And then they may come back with, you know, half a million in revenue. Um, it's just. Well, unless they have a very innovative product and there's uh, and various other strategic value, um, which truthfully actually has quite a lot of value to, to some buyers, to be fair, um, it, it's difficult to, um, to to get to these kind of very high valuations. I, I think the large majority of, of founders, particularly now in 2023, with this great reset uh, across the tech sector, uh, vast reset, I wouldn't actually say great, um, in valuations, People have come down to worth a little bit. I think it's more understandable. But it's it's interestingly sellers that have raised large rounds in in 2021, where the where the valuations were honestly like 50x on on revenue, 100x sometimes. It, it's difficult for them to kind of bite the bullet and think, well, we can't sell for for, for these kind of valuations. That it's, it's changed, and uh, unfortunately. Uh, as a as a founder, I don't I don't think it's necessarily going to go up to the levels of 2021 again. Mm. Uh, who knows? Possibly in, in AI, I know you see a lot of these companies raising uh, pre product pre revenue at 200 mil valuations. It's just yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy times for AI startups. But uh, but when you're talking about revenue multiples, would you would it be safe to say it's anywhere from five to ten times uh, of the revenue? Uh, just wondering, you know, what's the kind of uh, multiples you're looking at now. Yeah. So we've actually built a valuation calculator for this very purpose because uh, we get a lot of ad hoc requests from, from founders pondering what their, their potential exit valuation may be. Now, this may this is just a guide. And truthfully, um, we, we're well-placed to maximize a, a, a start or any company's um, exit valuation because our buyer network is SaaS-focused, we have the process to streamline the process to give back some of the negotiation strength to, to founders. Um, I digress. The um, um, revenue uh, is actually more so on the Bitdar multiple. So it really varies, but public markets you know, was 12 to 15x on, on, on 12 trading month, a, a Bitdar. But it, uh, depending on the, the business model for a SaaS, it can be anywhere between 5x to, to 10x. But that's purely from a uh, financial uh, performance standpoint. There's a lot of strategic value that can be captured um, in, in a business. Um, but truthfully, learning from experience and speaking to a lot of founders now to streamline that process so it's a lot more efficient and not dragged out can help so much with a, bar- with a seller's ability to negotiate. It is a true art and science uh, negotiation, honestly. It's crazy how you can build a business over however many years Right. Get to the point of exiting. You've built a great business, you know, profitable, maybe a couple of million revenue, five to one ratio of profit, and you get to it, and suddenly the way you engage with buyers, or if you don't have a good broker or advisor, goodness, that it, it, it can 
because it can, yeah, it, it, it can do a lot of damage to um, the final exit valuation. And, and, uh, yeah, it can bleed out a couple of hundred thousand or, or maybe even millions, depending on the size of the business, on that final exit valuation if the buyer can get up a hold in, in the negotiation position. And that is what Foundly is about. We're trying to empower founders with the tools, knowledge, and experience, and buyer network to ideally sell the business on a self-serve basis, but we're here, instant message, booking a call, and our advisory services available at an instant as and when um, they need it. So, um, and most importantly, we're, we're kind of tech sector SaaS focus as well. We're not doing brick and mortar businesses one day, which many advisors are, many small to medium-sized business advisors are, and then trying to attempt to sell a SaaS. No, we're focusing on the tech sector. That is our speciality. Mm, got it. Interesting. And uh, and uh, do you also provide uh, you know PNL summaries and you know make the buyers understand about the revenue, the churn rate? Uh, do you do you help with that, or is it most mostly you know self serving? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I mean, I'd love, love to kind of give some brief insight to, to those that are watching the the, the video version. Of this I'll, I'll speak over it uh, sure. the um, whilst I'm explaining it just just to help us to visualize. But yeah, foundy. Um, is fundamentally a self-serve uh, platform, but we are there as and when uh, additional support is needed. And that helps us to scale. It helps us to support more and more business sellers and, and, and buyers. Um, so I'll quickly pull up. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 we've built and streamlined our advisory services um, so that founders are given the tools that they need so here's a little demo video. Feel okay. free to go to foundy.com slash um, advisory slash sellers. Sure. And we goes down here. And we've tailored packages that are suitable for businesses of different sizes. And also, um, um, I, I, I challenge anyone in, to find another European company to lay out their pricing in this transparent way as, as, as we have. I respect that, that SaaS founders want a... Uh, they don't want pricing to be hidden and, and um, they want it laid out in a SaaS style manner. And that is what we've, we've done to, to appeal to, to founders, um, uh, modern entrepreneurs, I should say. So relative to business size. So if you're doing 100K to 500K revenue, there's lower pricing and slightly tailored packages. So we've got a dedicated buyer outreach campaign. Um, as described earlier, we've got an information memorandum and evaluation report. Um, and then we've got the essentials bundle. Uh, for, for exit. So yeah, it's, it's just £1,970. If you would go to a traditional advisor, you're going to get locked into a 12-month contract of exclusivity. You're going to have to pay about three or four times that um, in, in upfront fees. Then you've got a monthly retainer on top. Then you're paying a 5 or 6% success fee or more. Um, and <laughs> you'll get halfway through the process of working with them and realize, damn, um, that their buy network is not really relevant uh, to, to your business and you're stuck in a rut then. So we got a lot of founders coming to us um, from, from traditional advisory firms, even uh, some of the biggest firms here in the UK and, and, and elsewhere in the US and, and Europe. Um, um, either they've done a lot of research already and determined that we're really the first kind of tech, modern M&A platform that they found compared to some of the websites that they've seen of, of more traditional advisors, which um, to be truthful, some of them looked like they were made in the 1990s using Microsoft Paint. But um, look, they, they've 
you know, they've got, they're very well established and they've got fantastic relationships, of course. But I think specifically for uh, modern entrepreneurs that expect a modern tech service to sell the business that they've spent years building, I think that's what we've um, what we've been focused on on delivering through our advisory, but but also our end to end marketplace as well. Yeah, no, thank you for for sharing the pricing. I think it's it's pretty transparent. And I, I was wondering, do you also have uh, like a funding platform where you you can help them? um uh you know uh where uh, you can fund part of it and help them uh get onto a deal where uh, they could they could be like a monthly payoff system I, i'm just wondering are, are you looking into that sort of a model to do to do investment raising uh yes for for the buyer who uh would want to make a 20% upfront uh payment but then uh would want to make the rest of the payment from the monthly profits back to the seller. Oh, like, um, yeah, seller finance. Yeah, uh, seller finance, yeah. finance. Yeah. Uh, yes. So we have a few few lending partners that, that, that can support with that. Uh, Bupos are fantastic. Uncapped are also very good. Uh, that can support with, with financing of, of that kind. Uh, we'll be promoting more about these services um, and others uh, very soon. Because I think... Yeah, a lot of buyers want to be able to create um, and well automate the creation of of lending tools to to buy businesses, uh, get approved by a business, and uh, and and get that agreed with with the seller. Because there's so many different steps within M and A deal cycle, uh, and different advisors, lawyers, tax advisors, accountants, brokers, and the like, it can get quite long winded and, and com- complex, and consequently deals can break down. Um, I guess through the traditional routes, sometimes we're trying to automate it, bring it all into one platform so that it's as streamlined as possible. So there's kind of much, a lot fewer hurdles for for communication breakdown, including the financing side of the platform as well. Got it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've, I've been uh, aware about Constellation software. I think they're pretty pretty big, but I think uh, they're focused. I think on on a couple of verticals, which is um, I think focusing on financial services and education are, are they are they in in a similar uh, industry as you are? Are they also like a marketplace, or, or do they are, are they more like a Berkshire Hathaway sort of a model where they acquire the company and run on their own? Yeah, of course. So um, Constellation Software are probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, software aggregator okay. um, of of yeah the biggest. Um, and they actually own lots of other smaller software aggregators, which in turn own hundreds possibly of, of, of uh, SaaS companies. So it's, they're absolutely massive. Um, I've been reading about them, them recently. I think it's an, it's an incredible journey they've had um, um, to, to get to where they are. Um, so, yeah, I guess the best way to describe it is probably yeah, the, 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 the Berkshire Hathaway of, of SaaS companies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Got it. And uh, and especially for this year, did you did you see a lot of startup funding getting reduced and uh, you know startups coming onto your platform to sell? Yeah. Was it different from last year, or or do you think uh, you know a lot of startups are coming because of the funding rounds which are getting mm-hmm. reduced? Yeah. So uh, the, the the tech sector, especially the the, the startup 
um, ecosystem is in a completely different place compared to where it was in, in 2021. Even though the the M and A industry or has had a record year in uh, in 2021, I think it was like 300 billion plus in transaction value in the UK alone. Um, um, there is now a lot of demand, especially amongst smaller businesses, for exits because no longer is it possible to raise money um, just with a pitch deck and uh, you know a, a potential uh, product. Instead, VCs are, and angels are very particular, very selective uh, in order to mitigate risk. Um, I think a lot of them have been burned on uh, various investment opportunities. And I think the LPs are conscious about where they're, they're putting money. And yeah, I respect that, right, rightfully so. Um, and as such, uh, startups that have operated these business models that are loss-making for years on end and they have to raise round after round. There is a yeah, a lot of them are in quite a bit of trouble. Um, and again, Foundy is trying to find a, a way in which we can streamline that process, connect sellers to buyers through our marketplace. There's no cost if you just want to list for sale and speak with buyers. Uh, it's optional to use our advisory services. And then um, it, it, we can connect you to, 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 to buyers and then... Um, um, there's a small success fee at the end, but we're yeah. There's there's completely changed um, the, the market conditions. A lot more founders are looking to sell. There's been record highs on the buy side um, um, in terms of dry powder amongst private equity firms, um, and a lot of um, recently funded companies are going on a, a, a acquisition spree. They've raised seed Series A to series E funding round, let's say, and they're going out and buying smaller competitors, companies in verticals and, and uh, horizontal markets, um, even suppliers that they have a good product, a good team, uh, and that they want to just acquire. So yeah, there is a lot of uh, interesting activity happening at the moment, but particularly amongst businesses doing less than 10 million in revenue, because uh, they're quick bolt on acquisitions and uh, we're democratizing the process of, of exit. So uh, it's been a relatively slow start as a whole to, to, to M&A in 2023, but uh, there's a lot of interest, uh, particularly in the second half. Mailman is an email assistant that shields you from unimportant emails, minimizing interruptions and making your days calmer and more productive. You can visit mailmanhq.com and use the code LSM, uh, which gives you the benefit of 15% off for the first year on the annual plan, uh, which already has 20% discounted compared to the monthly plan. So you can visit mailmanhq.com and use the code LSM. Very interesting. And again, I want to talk about uh, about talent and hiring. And you know, you've been running uh, Zoomings earlier and now Foundy. Uh, what what do you think is the biggest mistake founders make when when they're looking to hire for you know sales uh, sales roles? Because you know, I've been into uh, sales and revenue a part of the business. So what's been your lesson there? Um, I think <laughs> I think hiring is is one of the most complex processes of of any um, yeah. And there's a lot in, in in building a company: sales, marketing, legal, admin, everything. Hiring, managing, uh, scaling a team is by all means one of the most complex aspects of that. So it, it, yeah, it takes a lot of time by all means to get it right. But to start with, um, in learning from experience, I think I've hired. 50 people across two companies and we're going to hire a lot more people 
this year and next, I hope. Right. Um, uh, yeah, laying the foundations from from an early stage is is, is really key. So um, we've built a, note, a, a page on well, several pages on Notion about who we are, what we stand for, what what we'd like to achieve, and really trying to make the company as uh, as inclusive and community oriented as as possible. And um, that's helped a lot to attract um, some, some great team members that have joined the company. And um, um, but I think, yeah, putting in the systems and the in, uh, processes to start with, having the foundations in terms of what you're looking for, and then deliberating as to whether you should be using recruitment tools. I mean, some of them are extraordinarily expensive. Um, however, there, much to my delight, that there are ways of automating the hiring process um so you know cord.co is is a fantastic marketplace to find engineers for example uh it's, it's, it's a bit of manual work to go out and find a message um but there are thousands and thousands of great engineers and you've got great profiles uh, that goes through to linkedin cvs clickable links to go through to uh the websites they've built it's fantastic truthfully it saves a lot of time and hassle LinkedIn recruiters also very, very good. We've had a lot of success with, with that. So I recommend any founder um, uh, looking to hire and um, utilize some of these some of these tools. I mean, we've used recruitment companies in the in the past. Some are good, some are not good. Uh, and um, yeah, learned a lot uh, about the process. I mean, just the principle of getting sent loads and loads of CVs in different formats and spelling all over the place, and you can't click through to see which companies they worked at. Um, it's just all over. It's an absolute mess to be, <laughs> to be frank. Um, and, uh, I'm glad that there are platforms like, like Cord and some recruitment companies that have modernized that process and made it a bit more clean and, um, and systematic. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. Lay the foundations and, um, yeah. Automate, streamline the process as far as reasonably possible. But truthfully, I'd probably recommend to any founder, uh, try and get, if if it, if it's a, you can afford it with the resources, although I would say it's a, it's a good allocation of resources, get an in-house talent partner to come in, and you know, they can come into the office, get to know your brand, what you're looking for. You can get feedback on like search campaigns and things, rather than just getting sent loads of CVs um, ad hoc. It's a case of organizing the ATS system step by step on um, interviews going through and you know exactly where everyone is it's a lot cleaner but you can have a talent recruiter come in that, that uh, even if it's kind of two three months for a fixed fee uh, or a success fee but works really well very interesting and uh, you know I recently had uh, Osobo from Cutbox uh, also got funding from Fuel Ventures and, uh, and I'm a fan of Fuel Ventures you know they got some some great exits and they've uh, a great portfolio company especially Heroes Out Fund and Paddle yeah. uh, what, what's been your strategy to you know uh, get uh, a, a VC like Fuel Ventures on board and what's been your funding strategy yeah sure um, Fuel Ventures are a great marketplace investor here in the UK um, one of the most active, in fact, they've got a vast community of, of, of entrepreneurs and got some great exits as well, particularly in our space. Um, so they facilitated the, they invested in early stage into a company called Capdesk uh, and, and um, others that were, were acquired by the likes of Carter for, for, it was a great return, I think, from them. Um, so, I mean, what, what, what's the process of, of, of getting investment or what? Yeah, I mean, how do, how did you get you know a few ventures on board, and you know what's what's your strategy for for investing? Any lessons for founders who are looking yeah. to raise? 
funding. Okay. Um, yeah, and if anyone's um, interested, happy to share a, a strategy. I think I get messages every week about fundraising and, and tips and things. I used to try and do as many calls as possible, but um, now I've kind of just created a kind of helpful blog to get in touch if, if you'd like some some tips on on that. I'm just learning a lot. I think we've done probably done four funding rounds across the two companies and just learn again how to streamline and automate as far as reasonably possible. You don't want to do it too much. Um, but I, what I would say is um, cold outreach, you can get lucky, but it's so much, I don't know what the multiple will be, 10 times easier, better, more effective of getting warm introductions. Now, often it's quite hard finding people that can make those in warm introductions. Um, so what I would say is, first and foremost, get all of the foundations in place, the pitch deck and get people to review it uh, from, from top to bottom, spelling mistakes and the layout and the contents. Is it too? I had an issue of uh, my pitch deck being a bit too wordy and um, uh, got some feedback on that. Uh, go out, get as much feedback as possible um, and iterate and then build your Notion, build a kind of a small data room, Notion, Dropbox or uh, Docsend, for example. I use Trumpet, which is very good, founded by a fantastic entrepreneur named Nick Telson. Um, and that's very good for sending out uh, the presentation to prospective investors. Um, you can put in a video there. You can put in a voice note. You pitch decks there in a PDF within this digital pod. Um, you can put testimonials there. There's another, you can add another tab for financials. It's a great way to send out pitch decks and work out who's opened it, how long they've spent on the on, on the presentation deck. But yeah, but truthfully, um, get all of that in place, then build a list of prospective investors and, you know, probably looking to, to build, it might sound like a big number, but probably at least 200 or more, truthfully, if not, if not more um, investors in a list, qualify them. There's great tools where you can go out and, and determine you know, what shareholdings that they have. Are they active? Uh, have they invested in the last nine months or 12 months? And um, uh, have they invested in companies in very similar spaces to you? Uh, ideally, not competitors, but in parallel. Um, if it's a B two B fintech that you run, and or specifically a payments platform, well, have, are there any investors within your your country? Or it doesn't really matter to be honest. But I, I, I think it's easier sometimes to convert people that come down the road, and um, and then yeah, build a build a kind of a long list of them. What I try and aim for is. I use a very a, a good tool to work out uh, who are the investors within the UK that have invested in a minimum of, or have a minimum of eight active shareholdings um, in B2B SaaS fintech. They've invested in the last nine months. They have a minimum net worth with those shareholdings of 1.5 million. Um, uh, yeah, show me that list or something. And then you get like 1,200 responses. And then from there, you can, um, um, you can filter down qualify emails and things just make it super super simple and ready for yourself then go to a website such as bridge bridgeapp.com or something brdg um and from there you'll be able to access it is i mean there's lots of tools like this but it's a great networking tool you want to simplify the introduction process because people are busy like when, when you go to someone who's well connected that they don't have much time uh so i've learned and um, what you want to do is make their life as easy as possible. Uh, even give them a little incentive, if you like. Some of them, are, you know, a lot of founders understand that they don't, you know, don't ask for like referral fees or something. But there's, I'm sure there's a little incentive that you can do. Come up with something 
you know, it might be like a 20 quid. No, I don't know. There's something, I don't know. Uh, and then say to them, look, I know this best uh, on LinkedIn or, or whoever. Look, look at your first connections versus the list of people that you want to make uh, be introduced to. Work out who the first degree connections are. Ideally, if you're friends with them, um, you know, please may it be possible to, to be introduced to this person. I've got an email summary ready to go. I've got a pitch deck, video, financials ready to go. All you have to do is forward it on. Is that is that okay? And they're all almost always like, yeah, sure, that's fine. Rather than doing the opposite, building the list and then trying to do cold outreach with some scrappy email with a pitch deck that was made in Microsoft Paint. And then it just, the whole thing backfires. And then you've ruined that first impression with that prospective investor. Um, that was a very drawn out answer to your question, but I hope hopefully that's right. Um, if you are doing cold outreach though, what I would say is, again, this is in this little blog that I've written, try a multi-state, like a three-stage email sequence keep it under 200 words, have that digital link to your pod within that. And um, that will direct kind of the, the trumpet, uh, send trumpet, for example, where you can have the, the pitch deck. Um, and yeah, three stage, make it personal, take the time to to invest in personalization. Um, and um, yeah, I could go on to be honest. But I, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I quite like kind of helping or hopefully giving some valued advice because I know I know how long winded raising yeah. money is for a business. I yeah, it's 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 not that fun. Um, uh, you just want to focus on the product, the business, your team, and your customers and things. You don't want to be raising money, right? But uh, yeah, hopefully that's of value. Sorry, next question. Yeah, no, absolutely. The, uh, the, this was wonderful. You know, I was, I was busy making notes and I didn't know about Bridge, uh, not having going to put that in the show notes. And um, I think um, I think warm introductions are, are, really, are really the key. But uh, but yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for sharing this. Uh, we'll put all, all, the, all the links on the, on the show notes. And I quickly want to do the top three. What's your favorite business book? Oh, um, there's a few. Uh, zero to one's quite good. Yeah. Um, buy, um, buy then build is quite good if you're if you're, if you're looking to rather than start a company from scratch. Um, because truthfully, you're going to have to deal with a lot of legal admin complexities and cold start problems and the like. I definitely recommend looking to acquire a business, ideally a profitable software business. That built. Um, uh, that that book is actually quite good. Gives you some insight into what it takes, what to look for when when buying a business. Um, yep. You know, if you could go back in time when you started Foundly, uh, what is the one thing you would have focused on or done anything differently? If you could. Yeah. Sure. Um, I think truthfully, um, what I would have loved to have done is actually hired a founder associate from, from an early stage. We, we have someone that joined recently, um, Tej. He's fantastic, truthfully. Um, and he's acted as kind of a generalist, um, operations, finance, marketing, sales, legal admin. And we just collaborate and brainstorm ideas, strategy, objectives, and the like uh, from an early stage. Um, uh, it's been really helpful. Gabrielle as, as well in, in marketing, having a again another generalist from an early stage is, is really key anything that she puts her mind to she she's very actionable organized articulate with with decision making and, and research so having these key generalists from a very early stage um it's just so valuable because otherwise it's a lot of the pressures on the founder to make all of the uh decisions um 
and having um, switched on people uh, with experience that can support with that process is uh, incredibly valued. Um, yeah. Yeah. So getting generalists on from an early stage that are, um, yeah, know, know their stuff. Got it. And uh, what's your favorite online tools, for example, Gmail, Slack, Zoom? We, we, um, what's my favorite tool, like a SaaS tool? Or... Yeah, any any tool other than a Foundry. Oh, well, truthfully, Slack, I probably prefer to Foundry, to be honest. It is unbelievable. It's so good. Um, we, we use Gmail. Um, there's loads. There's, there's loads. HubSpot's fantastic as well. Trumpet's awesome. Um, um, I don't know. I, I love SaaS tools. They're so good. I mean, these, the, their websites look so good. You go onto it, you've got the video and the big text. And there's such this kind of uniform way of laying out things. lots of cool AI tools with, uh, that just make life so much easier. Lavender AI has come out with a new sales tool. Of course, Gong's quite good. We're looking at that at the moment. We're not users yet. Um, but it's, it's for me, and I'm saying this to my colleague earlier today, it's like when you see uh, a new tool, well, you've got to be, I don't want to be signing up to random things, just getting adding costs. But if you have a problem and you've worked out, okay, that's inefficient. That can be automated, templated, streamlined. Uh, I mean, sorry, I've said that a million times this call, but uh, it's important to be able to iron out inefficiencies if you're looking to scale. When you find uh, this solution that um, to the problem, it's, it's, it's such a, an amazing feeling. We've, for example, at the moment, we've, we've got a, quite a sophisticated CRM tool, uh, pipeline and strategy. Uh, using HubSpot, but yep. uh, LinkedIn wasn't integrated. So we're like using LinkedIn a lot for, for generating leads and getting new users to the platform, but it wasn't, it's kind of separate. So everyone's yep. accounts were separate. It just wasn't as coordinated as, as it should be in order to scale um, effectively. And we found an AI tool, which not only plugs in to the, uh, the HubSpot, it's always so satisfied when you see you've got third party API and you just press one button in it goes. And then, uh, but uh, yeah, it does everything like automation and personalization and things. It's yeah, fantastic. Uh, of course, you want to make sure that works because it, it, it can yeah. amplify. But um, yeah, it's it's always fun. Um, uh, what what's the name of the tool? Hey Reach, I believe. Uh, yeah. We haven't properly. I've, I've been using it a little bit myself, but I think I might invite the rest of the team. I think they. It's really interesting in terms of a SaaS case study. They made two hundred k in two months. Uh, I think they teamed up with AppSumo. It's actually worth having a read about their how they've scaled, um, just just from like a, a go to market growth strategy. Mm. Uh, yeah, they they grow very quickly. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes. And um, uh, JP, what is the best way people can reach out to you and know more about Foundy? Yeah, cool. Um, well, feel free to get in touch on LinkedIn. Happy to to chat to anyone. Uh, regardless of, of which uh, role you're in um, uh, at a company or, or it doesn't have to be a SaaS company necessarily, but if you're just looking for some ad hoc help, uh, there's no cost to it. I, I, truthfully, I actually find it quite fun and fulfilling to help people meet people and um, learn about uh, all that they've built. So yeah, LinkedIn, JP Lewin, uh, email joe at foundy.com. Um, feel free to, to get in touch um, and yeah, happy to help. Yeah, yeah, no, this was great fun. Thank you so much for taking our time and speaking to us. I really enjoyed my conversation with you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. 
For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com.